This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to On the Record with your host, Ashram Lux Lucis. All right, welcome to another episode of On the Record. Today we have Amanda Alex Drakis in the house, and she is just uh, an absolutely amazing um, entrepreneurial woman in the music and entertainment industry. And Amanda, I will turn it over to you to give us your give us your thirty second elevator pitch. Hello, um, my name is Amanda Alex Drakis, and I own a company called Music Promotion Inc. And we offer uh, marketing and consulting services to record labels, artists, um, bands, and we work worldwide. We're in uh, the U.S., uh, Europe, Australia, and the U.K. Wow. He's got the world covered now. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting there. We're getting there. Awesome. So tell us how, um, you know, where where was the little girl with the dream? Was it always to, to be in music promotion? Or tell us about that little girl with the dream and what that looks like. Well, I mean, the, the funny thing is I never had any intention on being in the music business. Um, my My first passion when I was little was gymnastics. And I, I, I really truly think that that discipline that they teach you there and that go-getter kind of attitude starts that young. And I really do think that gymnastics had a big part of, of that for me anyway. Um, you have to visualize something, you have to do it, and you just can't let the fear get to you. You just do it and you commit to it fully. And I think that I learned very, very young. Um, a good example of that is when I was 14, I um, I wanted to get into, you know, acting and, and like a lot of little girls do, but my parents weren't really supportive of that. And I I got on a bike on my own. I, I rode my bike to the agency. They told me I needed a work permit. I rode my bike and got the work permit. I filled it out. I got my own pictures. I got it all done. And since I did do that, my parents let me do it. But, um, you know, I, I, I just kind of said, well, I don't need you. I can do it myself. And I've always just kind of been like that. Wow, that's awesome. So let's talk about that for a little bit because, you know, some people, th- their parents will kind of what I call poop on their dream and then they'll just kind of go down this sort of this path of self-destruction and I don't care and, you know, I can't do anything because my parents told me I can't. So how did you, what was your mindset to really get inside of, you know, it doesn't matter what you say, I can do this. And how did you, you know, how did you stir that up within yourself? Well, the the honest truth was, is that, you know, um, my parents, my dad wasn't ever real supportive of that kind of stuff. My mom would have let me do it. But the the honest truth was I had three little sisters and they didn't have time. You know, I was always the oldest and the one that had to do a lot of the stuff, um, because my mom just couldn't be chauffeuring around any more than what she already was doing, which was a huge amount. And um, and I think just just have I, I don't know. I've just always been like that. You know, my I remember I got a stereo for Christmas one year. I was probably you know thirteen or fourteen, and my dad wouldn't put it together right away, and I was annoyed. So I just went in there and put it together myself. You know, <laughs> put all the wires in, and you know, I was like, well, okay, I'll just figure it out my own self, and. That's what I always did. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So you're doing gymnastics. You want to be, a, you know, I guess a, an Olympic gymnast is the the outcome of that. Um, well, what? I was a stunt girl. I went into stunts. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I combined the the acting and the and the stunt work into that. So for a couple of years, when I was like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, I was. Um, really excited and, and loved the physical challenges, you know, obviously, and uh, of stunts. And so I would, you know, spend the weekends with a friend of mine who was also a stunt girl, and her and I became best friends over time. But we would jump over, or I'm sorry, go over to, you know, whoever had the largest barn and set up the airbag and 
Shambhala buildings. Oh, my um, God. Fun. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, that was like our idea of the weekend fun. But ironically, <laughs> um, we were we were training, and I was um, in college, and we were, you know, was teaching gymnastics and whatnot. And actually, during that time, um, I, I was in school for marketing, and I, it, my best friends from high school were um, their their mom was a famous sixty singer, and she sang at Woodstock and and you know all those kinds of still performed out, and they would invite me to all their shows, and I would go because it was fun, not because I had any um, any reason to you know I was just going because I enjoyed my friends and we were having a good time except her parents (laughs) said to me one day they called me and they said we think you would be really good on the phone with radio and I said no you know I'm I'm busy I'm I'm doing stunts I'm I'm in school and they said no 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 we well you know at the time I was working four jobs you know (laughs) um and they was like no come and work here you know we think you'd you'd do a good job and I'm you know I took about a week to think about it and I'm like ah what the heck you know I'll give it a try and um, that's how I got in the music business is my first day of work, I made them about $20,000. And wow. my second day of work, I made them fifteen. <laughs> oh and gosh. so, yeah, it just it just took. And then, um, then the, obviously about a week later, they made me promotions director of their little record label that they had. And I kept telling them, I said, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to Atlanta to do the Batman stunt show. <laughs> I'm not going to be here. And I continued to train. And, you know, you had to be able to do 10 pull-ups and all the, the things that they make you do. But ironically, right before the audition, I broke my wrist and I couldn't do it. And that was kind of the reason that, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm here. <laughs> I guess I'm. I guess this is where it's at. Wow. So, what? so yep. did you break your wrist doing a stunt? No, I don't even know how I broke it. That's the funny thing is, um, yeah, I mean, you would think there's some exciting story, but basically it's kind of one of those things where you walk by and you hit your toe and you're like, ow, that hurts, and you kind of forget about it. Yeah. And so I kind of did the same thing, and I really, I kind of remember saying, ow, that hurts, but I didn't even acknowledge the pain for about a week, and then finally I'm like, ow, you know, <laughs> my wrist really does hurt. And I was only, you know, I think 18 at the time. And I I went to my mom and I'm like, Mom, I hurt my wrist. And she's like, ah, you know, no, you didn't. And my sister's moving around saying, oh, does this hurt? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) does this hurt? Yeah. (laughs) And so nobody believed me. I said, I think I broke my wrist. And they all went, ah, no, you know. So I I drove myself to the hospital in a stick shift (laughs) car. Nobody believed me. And I went to the hospital. And they're like, yeah, you took a big chunk off your wrist. (laughs) We said, how'd you do it? I was like, I don't know. Oh my! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's nuts. But that's how wow. I ended up staying in the music business. Is is in all honesty, I was always really good at marketing, um, and I, I just had a tendency to be um, proactive, and so you know I I'd already started working in in the business and I was doing well at it. My first, you know, they threw a magazine on my desk a couple of weeks in so you know we want to be on that chart and I was like okay <laughs> uh oh how do I do that and I mean they didn't give me like a how to they just threw it on my desk and said here get us on that chart wow. and I had to you know call the magazine and ask them you know about it and then I had to call the stations and they would say oh you know hi honey yeah we gave you an ad and I was like oh thanks and I'm like what's an ad you know and then I would um <laughs> And, and then I would um, I'd call some stations and say, oh, you know, we're an R&R station. And I'd say, oh, that's okay. <laughs> okay and that's like one of the big ones, you know, it's a big ad. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, that's okay. You can give us an ad anyway, you know. <laughs> oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was so green and so naive. But, you know, I kept trying, and eventually I made friends. And, and then, you, you know, it's kind of like the mob. You, you just don't get out. Once you're in the music business, it's you're just there, you know. Yeah, so, and, and there have been times, yeah, and there's been times over the years where I'm like, oh, this is, you know, enough, enough, yeah. and I'll, you know, say, okay, I'm going to do something else, and then something big happens that pulls me back in, so finally I've just surrendered, you know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just, yeah. So, so how, um, did you get, how did you get involved with marketing? Because you were initially going to school for marketing, but you weren't planning on going into the music industry, so... What were you planning to do with the marketing? Well, initially, initially I was actually PR, and um, I thought, oh, okay, this is 
this is cool. I, I tried a few business classes and uh, I went, oh, this is this is just awful. <laughs> it was like accounting <laughs> and and statistics. And I, I was, I, I I just was like never ever. This was so horrible. And I dropped. I actually dropped them all. I hated it so much. And I thought, okay, well, PR sounds cool. So I did some PR. And um, but the honestly God truth was is when I started my junior year, um, where you really had to start taking those classes. Um, they, the, the, I was, I'd already, well, God, how did I get to music? Okay. So I was going to do PR, hadn't decided to do music business yet. I was being pulled into it. And I guess I was, I was good at marketing because, um, when I was younger, you know, like seven, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, 18, I had a little sister who wanted to do modeling. And so on the side, <laughs> um, I would also, you know, get her in little fashion shows and, and do fun stuff like that just to, you know, kind of help her out. She was, you know, probably only 10 at the time. And, and um, I, I just, I, I just always had that thing of, okay, let's market you, let's promote you. And so then it just all came together. It was just this, you know, there's many different reasons, I guess. And then um, when I started my junior year of college, oh, you got to take a class at two o'clock in the afternoon. And at that time I'd already left the record label. And um, I realized at that point I wanted to start my own company and so I was like, well, I can't work. I can't take a class at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I'm, I'm going to be busy. And the only other thing I could do at night was marketing. So <laughs> I, I didn't really have a choice. And I do think it was a good decision. But, I mean, in all honesty, there wasn't any exciting thing. It was just I have to get through this, this college thing. And here it was. And I loved the marketing classes. I just despised everything else. And um <laughs> That was rough. It was rough. I'll be I'll be honest. I still have nightmares where I wake up in the morning and they call me and say, You're short of credit and I'm like, No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my God. And then just because I went back to graduate school later, which I got my international business degree, which I never thought I would do, but I just didn't feel like I finished. So I went back and did that and that was a lot better than undergrad, but I have to tell you, it was it was some suffering in there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Was there a specialization in the international business, or just um, no, just international business? Um, okay. No, I just went back because at that point I was about, I guess I was in my late twenties, and I just decided that I wanted to take my company overseas, and so I thought that this would be a good opportunity to kind of um, learn how to do that, and. It was it was a good move. It was a good move. And actually, before I even graduated, I secured a consulting job with the European Union for um, I was their U.S. radio consultant, which was kind of a prestigious wow. thing. And yeah, yeah and I was still in, in classes, you know, so that was kind of neat. Wow. Cool. Yeah. You're just like so driven. It's just like incredible. Like I, I'm worn out just like <laughs> just listening <laughs> to you, how driven you were. I'm like, Wow. So with all that, like, you know, how do you balance your life and, uh, you know, what do you do for downtime? What's downtime look like for you? Well, I, you know, I've, I've had to learn and, you know, when I, I started my first company when I was 20 and, you know, that was, you know, I, I not that I'm bragging about me, but I'm, you know, I've just turned 41 so I'm 21 years in, and the the honest truth is is I suffered the most in my 20s. Um, I was in you know school full time, and I, I I was working probably 60, 70 hours a week. I moved to Miami on $600 and basically built up a company and and, and you know and living. You know I lived on this. I mean it was rough and. You know, I get some money and I buy a fax machine and I get some money and I buy a computer and um, we're using a friend's computer at, at night, you know, while their office was closed because we didn't have uh-huh. one yet. Uh, we we're cutting our own business cards, which actually um, is where I met my husband at Kinko's at like one in the morning, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, <laughs> we're total workaholics. Um, but the honest to God truth is I, I overdid it and I worked, you know, I, I never – I, I spent my 20s in an office, which, um, you know, I, I look back and I think, you know, I, I should have probably enjoyed those years a bit more. Um, 
I didn't. I didn't allow myself to. And then I got. I did get very ill. I ended up getting sick, and it, my body just rejected everything. Um, it, I ended up being out for 18 months with three major surgeries, and I, I really do oh, think wow. my immune system was down. And I never rested. I just didn't. And yeah. so, um, and then, but I was working, of course, during that time. And I would, I would literally be like telling my clients, oh, you know, I'm having a surgery tomorrow, but don't worry, I'll be back on the phone by Thursday, you know. Oh and, and I remember um, after the first surgery, I, I, I you know, they, they brought this up to me. I left them a message that day, and I said, something to the effect of I never thought I was going to be better ever again. And <laughs> I didn't even, I wasn't even home from the hospital, you know, in two days. And, it, you know, I realized how serious stuff like that is and yeah. um, went through that time. And, and still, you know, I mean, I, I still worked, I was consulting and um, those were some interesting times, but I, after that, I kind of changed the way I approached work. And um, when I did get better, um, I was approached by um, some people who said, "Hey, you know, we would we would like to offer you, or we would we we want to start a record label. We want you to run it. What do you want from us? You know, what would it take?" And I say, like, "There's nothing you can give me. <laughs> There's just nothing. You know, I just recovered, and I'm sticking to my marketing company. Yeah. I'm not running a label anymore. And um, th- and I it was a good decision for me, you know, running, I think it was, um, I, you know, I, I consult record labels, I talk to record labels, but running one isn't something on my immediate list to do again, because that was, uh, it was, it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and not that I'm afraid of work, but, um, it, you definitely have to, have to take health into consideration when, and, and I'm so type A, so I have to stop myself and, um, my mom, who who passed away a couple years ago, she was very sweet because she said to me one day, she said, you know, it's kind of nature's way that 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 you have had these health issues because it's the only thing that stops you from taking over the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, you might have a point. <laughs> so, yeah. Are you considering so, running for the election? <laughs> Only if they keep making me mad enough. <laughs> but yeah, so it you know I think it, you just have I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs have a certain personality, and there's some people that you know I have sisters for instance who this just sounds like the most horrible thing in the world to them. They they want you know they don't understand. They they think I'm a little you know a little nuts because I. You know, I'll always be working and I'll be checking emails and, and doing this and that. But, um, you know, I, I don't shy away from work. And I think if you're going to do anything entrepreneurial, you have to have that fire. And um, I've realized over time that it's it's not as common as I thought it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I really didn't think about it. <laughs> so yeah. Like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a reason, you know, there's always going to be, and and I'm probably going to get some slack for this, but if you think about it, there's a reason why there's the 99% and there's the 1%. And it's definitely, it's a personality trait. It's a quality that a person has that they're either going to go after and step fully into their life and go after it, or they're going to be an employee. I mean, it's just, there's, there's two choices and most there people is. take take the employee route because it's easier, it's safer. Well, it's the illusion of being easier and safer, you know. Yeah, and I think there is an element of luck in there too, you know, situations. Um, you know, um, being having health issues is, is which I've continued to have since those times, um, has definitely um, influenced things. And if if I wasn't as I think driven, and and again I I I'm not blind to to know I I am driven I you know it's it's sometimes to my own <laughs> to my own detriment I I I I do things I know I shouldn't but I I just have to, um, but you know sometimes I think being entrepreneurial you really have to take the punches that come to you. There's a lot of ups and downs. And it's not easy. I mean, 
try being an entrepreneur after you've had health issues and then trying to get health insurance. Um, things like mm-hmm. that yeah. <laughs> are not easy. Um, you get hit every which way, and you have to really focus and 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 try not to get bogged down because there were times where it would have been so much easier if I had just said, you know what, um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna just give up. I'm not gonna do it. But mm-hmm. it, it that just never really occurred to me. Um, yeah. My life would probably have been easier if I had done that. But then again, who wants to hire a sick person? You know, nobody wants to deal with somebody who, um, even though I'm probably more motivated than a lot of employees would have been, um, they want a very nine to five thing. And um, my job is not nine to five. You know, I'm in the office sometimes at six in the morning and sometimes till two in the morning. I mean, there are times I put in 20 hour days because I'm dealing with multiple countries. Um, But I don't know. I think everyone just has, you know, I think you just, know what kind of person you are, you know, and um, if that's okay, then, and I like the, the, everything changes every day. I don't like the same old, same old. I like some excitement yeah, <laughs> and, you know, some adventure, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there that, that um, maybe aren't as adventurous, but it, there is, there, it, it's a risk for sure, but it's a risk you just take and you don't really think about it too much. You just do it. Kind of like the gymnastics. You just do it. You could break your leg or break your neck, but you just commit to it and you make it happen. We'll be right back. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. And we're back on the record. So what do you, uh, you were mentioning, you know, you get hit from all sides. What are some of the things that you do to get yourself through those hard times, both in, in maybe from an emotional and mental standpoint to physical actions that you may take? Because I think, first of all, you have to have a certain mindset because you are, you're getting bombarded. You know, you're, you're pretty much in crisis mode most of the time. And oh, yeah. there's, you know, a couple of ways you can handle that. You can be stressed out all the time, which is not going to be good for you. Or you can, you know, seek it as an opportunity to learn and grow from. So kind of let's get inside how you handle those situations. Well, we all have bad days. And there there would be days where, you know, you break down and you just say, you know, this is just a lot, you know, and you, you let yourself have that time. And, mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it would be um, I, I think it would be very naive to think that 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 doesn't happen to anybody. Um, it certainly does, where you just have those days, <laughs> um, and and then you know you have the ups and downs. You you just I personally can just focus and not. I, I consider a lot of that stuff noise, where I just look ahead and do what I have to do throughout the day and make sure that everything is sorted. And that noise on the side, I kind of just put, you know, I address it, but I, I can shove it aside and not think about it. And um, otherwise it will eat at you. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, it will eat at you. And um, and then the next step is, okay, once you get yourself in the position where, all right, um, Early, you know, early in, in my career, money wasn't there. I mean, we had, we were making our own poster tubes from pieces of cardboard. You know, like, you know, those, oh, wow. those, 
yeah, we'd buy them for 25 cents and roll them and tape. I mean, no, I'm not kidding. We've done shoestring. Yeah. And now I get clients that have like, oh, here's a hundred thousand dollar budget. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky, (laughs) you know, but, but they have, um, you know, there, there's that grit that comes with problem solving of, okay, let's just figure out what we need to do first of all, and then we'll figure out how we're going to make it happen. And that's what you just do. I, I don't know that there's any other secret than just you just do it. What's your why for doing all this? Because I think sometimes if you have that, you know, they talk a lot, you'll hear it's kind of the buzzword now, what's your why and your why kind of drives you. So what do you attribute your why to for doing all this? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I, I I wish I could sometimes just say, okay, you know, just, just shut up and relax. Um, and I do. I, I do relax. I mean, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm not as, you know, throw yourself in and, and you know, I'm very well aware that, that you know, um, life is short and you, you need to appreciate it. And, and a lot of that was once I had my son, you know, I really, you know, took, I, I managed my time a lot better once, once he was there before, you know, it was just me and, and okay, we can, we can work these kind of hours and you can sleep in and you can do, well, not that I slept in that often, but you know, you could, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, and there were days where you're just exhausted or you didn't feel, or I didn't feel well or whatever. And, um, and then I had my little boy and you start to realize, okay, there's more to life than just, doing what I was doing and, and trying to, to build up something. And while I'm very proud of my work, I'm mostly proud of my son, you know, and, you know, this weekend, for instance, you know, and we do this a lot now, um, I pick him up, you know, um, from school. I mean, not during the summer, he's not school, but I'll pick him up on Friday a little bit early. We, we moved to Colorado. We were in South Florida and we live in Colorado now. And I pick them up afternoon, and we drive in the mountains. And we had 25 days of skiing last season. And wow. we were in the mountains this last weekend, and we, we biked 15 miles. And they dropped us off on the top of Vail Pass, and we went down and um, made it into Vail. And, you know, we take adventures a lot. <laughs> you know, mm. the weekend before that, we were tubing down the river. So we take advantage of it. And um, now at this point in my career, you know, I kind of feel like I've done that grit thing, and I don't really feel like – I need to kill myself anymore, but I, you know, I still am very motivated and work hard, but I, I take a very active role in, okay, we are going to go have some fun. Let's go. And, uh, I don't feel bad about it either. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, and then I had a vacation this summer, you know, we, you know, as promoters, we don't get a lot of time down and you have to be strong enough. And, and in, in all honesty, you have to be in the position because you can't just tell your clients, oh, I'm not going to be here, you know, for, for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't go over too well. You know, usually for for in my work as a radio promoter, you really got, you know, the holiday, the Christmas holiday where things just shut down for two weeks. And, mm. and sometimes you can get three weeks out of it, but that's when that happens. And I, I feel like I've earned this in my career. I now have the network and I can I can leave and I have people that can help and um and that was earned. You know, that wasn't something I was talking to somebody else recently who was younger and they said, Oh, I wanna go on vacation. I'm like, You can't go on vacation. <laughs> you're not now. I'm like, I don't know what world you're in, but you're a radio promoter. I'm like, you know, <laughs> like you could take like a five day weekend maybe, but no. <laughs> So good luck with that one. That's awesome. You got to figure that out. Yeah. Is the world of radio promotion, is it pretty much Monday through Friday as far as like calling the station, doing that part of the work? um, The big day is Tuesday. And Tuesdays are what we call hell days because that's when the chart numbers come in. So. Um, if you, if you're going to take days off, you can, you can take later in the week, but you know, uh, Mondays, Tuesdays are, even if you're on vacation, you're sitting in your hotel room working. I mean, you can't really, you can't skip out on a, on a chart, on a chart day. You know, people like to have their reports. Yeah. <laughs> How are we doing? You know, we just spent all this money. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> so, so. 
Um, Just go to yeah. billboard.com and look it up. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need your tracking? Leave me alone. Um, yeah. Um, those are the days that are really the big days. And, and you know, um, there's no getting around that. There just isn't. Yeah, but Fridays are usually, you know, the day. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of times. I always tell people, I'm like, if you're going to call radio promoter, call them on Wednesday, call them on Thursday. But Friday afternoon, you're just going to hear crickets. There's no one around. See <laughs> 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, success, the meaning of success has probably changed for you over the years before you got sick and then probably during and now after with your son. What is success for you? What does that look like? You know, I just want to have a pleasant life, I think, is, is what it comes down to. I, I'm i very lucky. And, I, you know, I, I know that, that part of, of what I've built is luck. And, and I do know it's hard work, too. But you can work this hard and still have things go wrong. I mean, it's not all. And I think anybody who has built something that they're proud of hopefully would say the same thing. Uh, I, I just don't think it's all there are things that can happen that can take you down. I mean, for instance, when when I did get sick, I lost everything. I was 24, 25. I had just I we almost we were within a breath of getting a label imprint deal with a major label. Mm-hmm. Had worked so hard. And um I I got sick. And when you get sick, you lose. You know, I lost everything. I went from top of my game, you know, very early and, and um, had all of these things in place and had people buzzing in the industry, you know, uh, a lot of great things happening. And then I got sick and I had to let everybody out of their contracts. Um, I, I couldn't get health insurance because um, I had already had a pre-existing condition, so I wasn't covered. Um, you know, here I was running all this stuff and flying across the country, and I'm having to stay in school longer so I could go to the infirmary to get some freaking medicine. I mean, it was awful. And, um, you know, I had to have three major surgeries with no health insurance, and it wasn't wow. a good time. It was, you know, you have you have a young, you know, student who's doing everything they're supposed to do, working as hard as they can work, who is told, well, there is no help for you because you make too much money, but certainly not enough to cover those type of medical expenses. Mm. And I was one of those people. I was that story. And so um, it would have been and, – and there were some really bad days, and it would have been really easy to just give up. I mean, this, is, this, is, this goes on for years. And it, it, they, I still couldn't get health insurance until actually I got married um, years later. And – it was, you know, stuff like that makes it so hard to focus on the main, you know, okay, we're going to keep going, we're going to keep doing this. But somehow you just have to, and, and you know, that's bad luck on my part, for sure. <laughs> Not everybody has that issue. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the humility there is that it could happen to anybody. It, you know, yeah. cancer happens to people, um, sickness happens to people, accidents happen to people, and... You know, when you have those kind of kind of outside pressures happening as you're trying to build an empire, um, <laughs> it definitely affects um, affects your your mental well being. I think, and you just have to focus on the good. And again, I had a really, I kind of had a gift to just put that stuff on the side and work through it the best I can. But I had my bad days. And I had to start completely over again, <laughs> which was not, you know, I, I came out, I, I like I said, I, I delivered one of the contracts. I lost a record label. Um, I couldn't continue to run it. We were so close to having a huge deal happen, and I couldn't even get out of bed. So wow. obviously that's not going to happen. But what I did was is I took all the contacts that I made through the record label, and I, you know, I, I used those contacts to build my promotion company, and that's that's how I did it. I I kind of took I took all the money. Oh, plus we had invested you know a hundred thousand dollars into into the label and our artists, oh. and um, which was gone at that point. You know <laughs> all my hard work, yeah. and so you know I just started over, and I I can't say enough how hard it was. But I think the whole point is is that there's hardships everywhere and if if you want it bad enough usually there's a way 
and also to, you know, not to get too pompous um, with with what you have because it can be gone. And I was one that didn't have um, parents giving me money or supporting me. I put myself through school. I paid for my own rent. I paid for my own food. I had I did everything on my own. And wow. I think when you have somebody who's who's given things, maybe they don't appreciate the struggle. But I wasn't one of those. So yeah. I do wow. appreciate, yeah, <laughs> I do appreciate how hard um, people work. And I do see, you know, the challenges that come with that, that people may not think through totally. So, yeah, um, I'm pretty proud of, of, of what's become over the years. And I got very lucky, you know, again, the kind of the, the luck factor. But I had a company called Dalen, and Dalen was a – um, it was, I had Dalen Promotions and Dalen Records. And um, when I went, this was back in the late 90s, I went online to get a, a domain name. Yeah. And I tried to get Dalen Records or Dalen, Dalen.com, and, and it was taken. <laughs> Somebody had Dalen. Wow. <laughs> and so, I know. I was like, what is the chance of that? So I was like, <laughs> well, what else can I use? So I got the name musicpromotion.com. And can I tell you that little thing right there that I spent $10 a year on wow, has yeah. made career-wise huge. I mean, I now own musicpromotion.com. I own .eu, .com, .au in Australia, .asia. I own, you know, uh, most of the big ones that go across. And I've been able to build my company and build everything <laughs> from, from something as silly as just having the right domain. Yeah. And, um, and that hence the name of my latest company, um, Music Promotion Incorporated. Yeah. So Wow, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. You know, they always say like name your company what you do, you know, and Yeah. And just people Well, it's it, been lucky. <laughs> I gotta say. It it was one of the best moves I've ever made. Yeah. Just and I still remember sitting at my desk being like, Really? If Dalen had been available, I probably would have never have even um uh, given it a second chance or, or yeah. second thought. It, that you know, it's just again that's the luck factor, you know. Yeah. And and who would have thought that you know? <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, because so, I mean, you know, the music industry has been along for how long, and nobody took musicpromotion.com, <laughs> you know? No, well, that was in the in the '90s. So domain names yeah. were, um, you know, I had, and, and I wouldn't take credit fully for thinking of that. I had a friend who had a talent agency, and he owns talentagency.com. Oh, wow. And yeah. so when I was thinking of domains, I was like, oh, you know, he he has talent. Maybe I'll try musicpromotion.com. And um, and it was available. And I got to tell you, I still have people coming to me like, you're the one who owns that name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was offered very early on $100,000 for that name. Wow. And with all of, you know, and this is the other thing I would say is desperation. Even if you're desperate, even when things are bad, and trust me, when you go through three surgeries with no health insurance, financially things start to get pretty grim. Mm. Um, but I never let that make decisions for me. And if I had given that up, um, I wouldn't have had that name. And, you know, $100,000 is a lot of money, and it sounds like a lot of money, but when you start looking over, you know, 20 years of a career, and what generates from something like that, mm-hmm. it really would not have been the brightest decision to do that. Yeah. And um, I think that's another lesson that I've learned is you never make short-term decisions um, mm. with your company like that. You don't, you don't go back on your word, and you don't make desperate decisions. Those are the, the, the big ones that I've learned over time. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers. eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. 
and once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back on the record. Do you have a plan, like a you know a five year, ten year, twenty year plan set out for your company when you when you first got going, or do you just how are you, how are you planning things? Well, um, I, I used to. I'll be honest, I used to. Um, nowadays, um, you know, it's funny. I I can't believe that much time has gone by. I, I look and I'm like, I can't believe how much has happened, although it seems like a lifetime away. At the same time, it kind of went by fast. Um, You know, I have, I've kind of, um, I used to do that. that, And I think that that's a very good thing. I tell my clients to do it when they're early in their career and and this and that. Um, At this point in my career, I feel pretty good of of where things are. The only way I kind of do that now is when I look and I say, okay, um, when I wanted to expand into Europe, I knew I wanted to do that. It took me about eight years to have the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I let opportunities lead at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know what fits within the the realm of what I'm trying to do. Um, we first went into Australia because we had, a, you know, obviously less of a language barrier. There was, there was also some... Um, infrastructure put there it it made sense to go in there when we did and that was probably about gosh it must have been almost 10 years ago and i wanted to go into europe but if you've ever gone and looked at european radio and you start trying to go through there and doing research it's all different languages there's so many different things to go through that 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 took a long time to get the right opportunities and the right things and i knew i wanted to do it and that was on my list of, of important priorities for the company. But I also wasn't going to do it and fail at it. I knew that I needed um, a strategic partnership. I knew I needed um, people on the ground overseas. And I knew when the opportunity came up, I would, I would recognize it. And sure enough, it took, a long, it took years, but it did come up. And um, I developed these whole marketing campaigns in Europe. And it's been really one of our most busy um, services that we do is the European market. It, it wasn't easy for sure, but um, I'm really proud of it. It was a lot of work, and it was timing. And t- um, timing is everything. Hmm. So people will come to me with opportunities now, and they'll say, "Hey, we want to do this." And and sometimes, you know, I'm not against it, I'm, but I'll say, "Well, you know, it, it'll just kind of feel right." I think instinctually, you'll say, "Well, hmm, how, you know." I don't know how to explain it. it. It either feels right or it doesn't. And sometimes it's, well, yeah, I'd like to do it, but it doesn't feel right to do it right now. I think you've got to be able to trust yourself to make so those no, types of there's decisions. There's no formal plan for analyzing the opportunity. It's just kind of a, does it feel right or not in the moment kind of thing? Well, you know, the company is, is technically it's, it's it's me. It's mine. You know, I have... Um, I do have people that work for me, and I've got teams, and I've got, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But the the thing is, is that without I, – I never feel comfortable handing over anything to anybody else, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And if I can't take on that kind of project or I don't feel comfortable with it, I don't do it. And, no, there is no goal. I mean, well, there is a goal, but there is no plan, I should say, that's strictly written. I'll say, okay, in five years we want to do this, um, and I'll put it in the back of my head and and kind of do it that way. And I kind of take a little bit more, um, a lot more laid back than I was (laughs) in my early (laughs) 20s. (laughs) Like, no, I'm not going to be in the music business. No, 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 I told him. Yeah. What's it like for you to hire employees or to have people working for you? Like, because um, you said it's kind of hard for you if, to to sort of let go of that that control. Well, I've gone through a lot of different um, stages over time. Back, you know, I used to have an office and employees, and what happened is I was becoming an office manager. 
versus what I'm really good at. And people, when they hire the company, they're hiring me to watch after things. And mm-hmm. um, I found that having that model didn't really work well for me. I, I didn't, um, I didn't like having to worry about every little thing. And are we, are we doing everything right? And so what I ended up doing, and, and I, I would get employees in and I would train them. And then, you know, for one reason or another, they'd move on. And um, the music business is, is like that. It's kind of, um, there's a lot of flaky people that kind of come in or change their minds or, or just don't appreciate how difficult of work it is in the music business. They think it's kind of fun and games. Mm. Um, so I, I developed, well, I, develop, I, I, um, I adopted a new model, which is basically, um, I have over, I have two overseas employees, you know, in the UK and Australia and everything else, um, I 1099 and I pretty much bring in, um, people who have already been proven within the industry. So I team up with people okay. And yeah. we, we partner up on, on things. And really, um, that way I know the work. I don't have to explain it. I mm-hmm. don't have to teach it. Right. Um, I basically partner with a lot of other uh, – I, I made a lot of friends with other promoters. I made a lot of friends with a lot of these you know professionals. And what we've done is we work together. And I think um, there's, a, there's a really high level of trust that has to be there, um, for the most part, I've been really lucky with the people I've brought in, and I, I did have an unfortunate experience with somebody about a year and a half ago that decided, um, you know, to kind of siphon off my work or my projects that I was working on, and I, I had I put a stop to that very quickly. But the great thing was, is I could, and I could stop it, and I was in control of being able to watch that. Mm. So. Um, you know, you're not in any sort of, um, you can maneuver very quickly and kind of have damage control because, you know, it's a small world. You know, there's a nucleus of people that run everything. So you can keep an eye on things. And I think it's worked very well for me anyway. For me, it's, yeah. been, it's been a great move. What about mentors? Did you ever have any mentors coming up? I did. I had a couple people. Um one was I don't know if you know. Do you know who Frankie LaRocca was back in the '90s? He um, produced like the Spin Doctors, and before that, there was a whole bunch of you know name after name after name. But Frankie was kind of this like Long Island, New York, Italian kind of guy, and um, I didn't really know who he was when I first met him. We were at South by Southwest, and we were at, at one of the little parties, uh, you know, um, barbecue things, and someone said, you know, I was meeting people and shaking hands and someone said, Hey, do you know who that is? And I said, no, I said, Oh, that that's Frankie LaRocca. Do you know who he is? And I said, no. <laughs> he's like, Oh, he, you know, he's this big producer and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? Um, and then Frankie, I, I bumped into him again a few minutes later. Um, and I, I looked at him and I was like, well, what's your name again? And of course the person I was with, their head just went straight down, you know, like covered his <laughs> eyes. Like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, what's your name again? He goes, oh, Frankie Morocco. And I said, well, what do you do? And the the friend is just looking at me like, are you shut up? Shut up now. <laughs> and he goes, oh, well, let's go sit down and have dinner and we'll talk about it. I was like, okay. And my friend's like, what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? So, uh, you know, um, Frankie and I sat down and we became friends. And over the years, he was so kind to me. You know, he, used to, he was in New York. He used to fly into Miami. And he would always take me out to dinner and, um, you know, if I had a band that I needed to pitch to him, he would always, you know, listen to him or maybe even come down and see him. And um, it was kind of interesting. There was a, a, a band he was looking at that was on a label that recently, um, I forgot what they did to me, but they did something bad to me. And I remember telling him like, yeah, this happened. And, you know, he, he went back to them and said, nope, we're not, I won't have anything to do with you. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> you know, and um, he, you know, he was just always there. If I had a problem, I could talk to him. He, you know, I, I could ask him questions, and um, you know, he stood up for me, which meant the world to me at the time, who who didn't have anyone, you know, supporting or doing that, and then to have somebody just come in and say, you know what, you you leave her alone. <laughs> I was like, <Nice>. yes. <laughs> so um, he he passed away. Um, I guess it was about 10 years or so ago and it was it was a sad time 
And then I had another person that ended up being my business partner um, who was kind of the same way. He had been in the business for a long time, and um, I actually hired him with my record label. And I, I ended up, um, we started working together, and I hired him to help with radio or to do a radio campaign in a certain genre. And I was also on phone on the phone with radio, and I remember he called me. And he's like, how would you get that station? <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I just got it, you know. And because of that, you know, we just started working together, and then we had a business that we had together for over a decade, and we still do work together. And he was kind of like um, – you know, a father figure in a way for a long time, but more importantly, a friend. And again, stood up for me. And you just don't get that that often. And I was lucky to have, you know, two people that kind of took me under their wing and brought me into the next level, I should say. I think everyone could use a good mentor. I, I do, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, you can't really go and look for one. I think they, it, the opportunities present itself. And I think if somebody is at the level where they can mentor you, if you're working hard, they, they recognize it. You know, mm-hmm. I think they see, they'll, they'll they'll see, you know, someone that has potential and they'll want to work with them. So over the past many, many years, what's the hardest lesson you've had to learn and how do you think that shapes your life and the vision of your business? Well, I think there's a few things. I think trust is really a big one. Um, you know, this business is, is um, the music business is very cutthroat. Um there's a lot of things that happen in it, and I think being able to hold your tongue a bit and mm-hmm. kind of read between the lines is something that isn't a is not something that um, comes easily. I think, especially somebody like me who's very chatty and, <laughs> and can, um, you know, uh, we'll just have a conversation with them. Oh, la 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 la, how you doing? How you doing? Um, and I do want to see the good in people, but there are um, there are people out there that are, um, you know, they they tend to prey on that. And over time and experience, you start to really be able to see the the BS from the <laughs> from the reality, the, you know, the mm-hmm. real people. Mm-hmm. And you really, even I mean, it's tempting sometimes. I mean, there's sometimes there's opportunity there, and it, it you have to be disciplined enough to say, no, I'm not going to bring my name down. You know, I, I, I treat my company, and somebody said it right. They, they called our company the Mercedes-Benz of promotion. Mm. And I really liked that because, um, you know, I always try to do more for my clients. I always try to take the extra steps to make sure that they're happy, even at my detriment. I mean, trust me, there are times where clients, they drive me crazy, but I, I want them to walk out happy. And I want them to have, you know, sometimes there's there's things. If a record doesn't doesn't do well, regardless of music, um, you know, it, it's not really the. I mean, it's always the promoter's fault in everyone else's eyes. You know, oh, the promoter didn't do their job, but um, <laughs> right. but there's yeah, but there's you know, there are records that we think are going to do really really well, and people, um, you know, we can always do well with a record, but then there's there's ones that do really well that just catch on. We call them sleepers. And um, you you want to – there are records that we thought would do well that we end up pushing, you know, really hard. And then there's ones that just aren't hard pushes where we, you know, people just tend to gravitate towards them, and there's no real reason why. And so you want to make sure that even those ones that are hard pushes walk out happy. And so, you know, it'll take me ten times more work. But – I always do everything I can, and and I think there are times where people just kind of shrug their shoulders, and they're like, oh, well, I sent it out, and it didn't do, you know, I can't make people play it. You know, you kind of get that, like, well, I can't do anything about it, and it's like, no, not good enough. You know, you have no. to make it happen, and I've always taken on that, like, you know, even if I have to stay up at night and, you know, send it to an extra 100 freaking people, I'll do it to get some results, you know, and I think some people just go, well, <laughs> I did my best and that's it, you know. Yeah. Um sorry you spent your money on this, but Yeah. Um I've experienced a couple you, of those. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have. I think we all have. And you know, if I have somebody like that on my team, that's the last time they ever work with me. I don't ever bring in people that have that kind of attitude. It's a terrible attitude. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, you know, in this business it's relationships. 
And there are people I've been working with for the entire span of my career. And it's fun where we started because when we started 20 years ago, most everyone else is gone. You know, they they went into real estate or they go into something else and um, <laughs> they're not in the music business, you know. Um, yeah. But but for those of us who've stuck around, you know, it's it's a really fun thing. You know, we we know who we are. The newbies come in and, you know, it'll take them time. But you can't really have somebody who's in there for 20 years and compete against them. You can't. Yeah. You know, and I think some of these guys come in and they're kind of hot shots and, hey, we're, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to recreate the music business and we all just kind of, you know, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we appreciate the enthusiasm, but, you know, <laughs> let us know when you do that. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's kind of cute sometimes, but, you know, it's it's yeah. funny when they're like, well, we're going to recreate it. It's like, yeah, nobody's ever thought of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm. you know, it's funny. But anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we all make some cringeworthy things when we say some really – there's a couple things where I think about, I'm like, I cannot believe I said that. You know, I still, it was probably 20 years ago. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. But yeah. I try to just, you know, I try to just give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, you know, you know, I don't yeah. want to discourage because you never know. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah. okay, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cute. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, as we get towards the end here. Do you have any final words of wisdom you would like to bestow upon our listeners? Oh, I don't know. I think, I think just um, you know the the things that I've I've learned having my own business, and I'll, I'll say is is you know always keep your word, do what you say you're going to do. Don't make false promises. Um, be careful who you trust, but still be open enough to be able to be open to. Um, uh, new alliances and, and new partners, but I want to say one thing: is being a female in the good old boys music business over this mm-hmm. time um, is there's there's a, a term that really bothers me that I've heard over the years, which is when they they call you a marketing girl. Oh, we'll just hire a marketing girl. We'll just hire mm-hmm. a marketing girl. And early in my career, you know, I knew that my work was good, and they would call me up wanting to pay me pennies. And they would say, well, we're just going to hire a marketing girl. And I'll tell you what, for the women out there who are doing this, marketing girls are valuable. Do not let them do that to you. It takes, you know, do good work, and people will come. I mean, it is the build it and they will come mentality. If you build an army, you build your contacts, and you have a product that's doing well, whether it's a product or a service or anything that you're building up and it's a quality, don't underestimate your worth. And it's very easy to let people try to do that. It took me a long time to not allow people to do that to me. Now if they call me, well, we don't have that budget. I'm like, well, you better save up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, My favorite is, well, we don't have that budget. And I say, well, if you can't afford it, then, you know, you're going to have to save up and come back to us. We're not going anywhere. Well, no, I can afford it. I'm like, well, I don't know what you want from me because this is what it costs, you know. And I think that that's a really hard thing to do is it's really easy for people to, to, to not value uh, this work, you know, in, in marketing. So, and, and probably with anything, but don't let people do that to you. Know what your product is. As soon as you undersell it, you're telling people you're not worth it. You know, and there is there is a point of, okay, you're being ridiculous. You know, you're overcharging. But if you're a fair price, don't sell yourself out for pennies just because you think you have to. You don't. So I think that that's, um, that's one of the, the, the things in my career that I, I don't let people do that to me. I just say, no. And you know what? They find a way to... to to pay the regular price. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's important. It's really easy for that to become an issue, especially in the music business, because not a lot of people have money there. But don't, don't, you know, if you can't stay in business, then what's the point? 
I mean, you have to be able to make a living off of what you're doing and don't give away your time. So that, that's what I would say. Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of On the Record. Tune in next week. 